Joey was nine years old, and he was asked by his mother what he learned in Sunday school today. He says, well, Mom, our teacher told us how Moses, how, how, how God sent Moses behind enemy lines on a rescue mission to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. When he got to the Red Sea, he had his engineers build a platoon bridge, and all the people walked across safely. He used his walkie-talkie to radio headquarters and call for an airstrike. They sent in bombers to blow off the bridge, and all the Israelites were saved. Now, Joey, is that really what your teacher taught you? His mother asked, and he says, Well, no, Mom, but if I told you the way that my teacher did, you'd never believe it. <laughs> Isn't it just like our God sometimes? He just does things way beyond what we're, what we're used to, what we're, what we're ready for. Over in the book of Acts chapter 10, we're going to look at some things that were done that are somewhat hard to believe, but oh, I'll tell you what, our God is able to do all kinds of things. Last week, we looked at Paul on his uh, road, road experience with the Lord and how the Lord had appeared to him and why are you persecuting me? All of this we're looking at in our fruitfulness series, how we can bear fruit for God because it's important that we bear fruit. It's good to hear testimonies uh, like just Nazgis gave us about how the fruit of God comes out in situations like that. And that's really where the fruit of God comes out in trust, testing times, troubling times, times when we want to fly off the handle or our flesh just wants to take over. But the Spirit of God comes in and we see the fruit of the Spirit working inside of us. The Word of God tells us, Jesus taught us in John chapter 15, that we should be fruitful. If we need to be fruitful, if it's important that we be fruitful, then we can tell if we are fruitful. We can tell what fruit is. We can see all those different things. Here in chapter 10, in verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household who gave alms generously and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Well, this is an interesting vision for someone to have. Now, Cornelius, of course, he is not of Jewish descent. He's a Gentile. And he's serving God and he's doing things. And it talks about his sincerity, his faithfulness. And he lists this. First off, he feared God. He gave alms generously and he prayed to God always. Well, he feared God. His belief, his belief structure was around God. He gave alms generously. He took of his own treasures. He took of the things that were important to him, things that he worked for. And he gave them freely and generously to God. And he prayed to God always that God was the one who changed things. So at least these things, as it talks about him, he had the vision about the ninth hour. This is about 3 p.m., 3 in the afternoon. So this is not a, a dream. He's not asleep. I'm sure he was wide awake being in the, the kind of person he was in, being a soldier and such. They're not sleeping at 3 p.m. But the angel gives him specific instructions for an unspecified reward. How would you like to have this? Specific instructions for an unspecified reward. I want you to go and I want you to do this. I want you to go to this place. I want you to just talk to this person and I want you to bring them back and I want you to do all these different things. Now, this, it's not just... It's at least a day's journey to get out there. 
So I want you to do all these things. And when he gets back, he'll tell you what you need to know. I mean, for all the specific instructions of what he is supposed to do, where he's supposed to go, who he's supposed to get. Again, we're finding out someone's name at a house where they're at and in a city where they reside. And this is that point. So God is telling them in a vision, here's where you're going to go. This is the guy you're going to get. And this is where they're at. But I'm not really telling you a whole lot about what he's going to do when he gets here. And so Cornelius had to believe that this was something he needed to have. That this was something that was going to be good. Because he has no idea what it is that Peter is going to tell him. All he knows is that the angel came and said, you need to hear it. So go out there and get him and bring him on in. He'll help you out. So he goes on out. He brings him on in. He follows the instructions. He does what was asked of him. The angel gives him very specific instructions for an unspecified reward. Verse 9. The next day, this is the day they're coming close to the city. As they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. This is about noon. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times. And the object was taken up to heaven. This was done three times. Now some people are trying to draw the conclusion that this was done three times because Peter denied him three times. That is the most ridiculous conclusion you can ever come to for this. Because that is telling you that first off, God didn't forgive you and God's going to remember and hold it over your head for the rest of your life. Is that the God you serve? No. No. I go singing that song, the God I know. That's not the God we know. Don't, don't accept boneheaded interpretations from boneheaded people about stuff they have no, no knowledge of. Because first off, folks, that's not the God that we know. The God that we know says when we, when, he, when we ask forgiveness, what's He say? I will remember it always. What's He say? It's done. It's over with. It's dealt with. It's forgiven. It's gone. As far as the east is from the west. So that's it. So why in the world would God give a vision and give it to Him three times for the purpose of reminding Him that you denied me three times? Is that not a ridiculous thing for God to do? If the rest of God's Word is true, maybe the rest of God's Word isn't true and only this part is. No, we don't believe that, do we? The whole Word of God is true. So there's a couple of reasons why God may have done it three times. One of them may be just to emphasize the point, get this across, that this is important. Another might be that Peter answered them the same way each time. Because it happened the same way each time. And each time Peter's saying, I haven't eaten anything unclean. Maybe if Peter got the message after the first time and the second time said, okay, maybe it wouldn't have happened again. So maybe the reason it happened a third time is simply because Peter answered the same way all three times. And it may have happened a fourth time, except that he had to go downstairs to meet the gentleman. So we're not sure exactly what it is, but I want to call your attention up to here, to, to just uh, one more time, up here in verse 9. The next day as they went on their journey and drew near the cedar, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. I want you to notice something about Peter going up to the housetop to pray that you might be able to relate to. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. How many times have you set out to pray and at the time that you set out to pray either became very hungry or your mind went off in a direction or something happened other than going up there to pray? 
Right? So this is what happens to Peter. He goes up there for the purpose of praying. And as he gets up there, he gets very, not just hungry, very hungry. Now, I don't know about you, but obviously Peter and I are, are a little bit different because he has a, a vision of things. I do want you to notice what is not in this vision. What is in this vision? Meat. There are no vegetables in this vision. Did y'all, did y'all see that? There's no vegetables in this vision. Peter was very hungry and he had the vision being very hungry. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And there are... There's meat. There is meat there. There are no vegetables to kill. As Ethel was talking about no chickens had to die, no vegetables had to die in this vision. But apparently no animals did either because he didn't rise to kill and eat. But here's something that's odd about this. Peter's out there. He's hungry. How many have ever been very hungry? How many have ever pictured a sheep? A cow? A pig? Now, what do we usually picture? A steak? A hamburger? Right? We picture plates full of food. We don't picture the food walking around. I mean, isn't that, generally, isn't that right? Even if you like vegetables, you don't picture a field of corn. You picture a cooked ear of corn with butter and salt or whatever you like to put on it. <laughs> I mean, he's hungry and he's picturing four-footed animals walking around. I don't picture my food on hooves. I picture them on plates. But that's what he did. So obviously this is God. <laughs> Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. So this happened three times and the object was taken up to heaven again. Now, if this had happened today with a lot of ministers, what we would do immediately is patent the vision. We would copyright the vision. We would write a book about the vision. And we would go on the Internet and, and, and publicize the book and sell copies about the vision. And then we would go on a tour about talking about the vision. And then take up offerings so we can continue to go to the next place and tell them about the vision as well. But that's not what Peter does. What Peter does, now while Peter pondered or wondered within himself what the vision, what this vision which he had seen meant. Boy, I'll tell you what, if only we took some time to ponder what it is that God shows us. I mean, God shows some people some things and they just run off with it and they just take a flesh interpretation of the thing and they don't find out what God meant about it at all. God had had a meaning behind this vision. And so Peter, he didn't run down and start telling everybody, I just had a vision. Oh, start writing it down. I need, I need to get this in the book. He immediately goes out and he, right, what's this vision mean? Why is it that I'm hungry? I'm picturing four-footed animals walking around. And not just any, but the unclean type. Why is it that... And he's pondering about this. Why is it that, that the Lord said to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Why is he saying, why is he going over all this stuff? And he's pondering this in his head. Now, while Peter pondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry from, for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing. Now, how many men came? It may be possible that the reason he saw the vision three times is for him to draw the conclusion that this vision had to do with these three men. 
But I can't tell you that for sure because the Bible doesn't tell us. All we know is that it happened three times. So it may be because he answered the same way three times. It may be to emphasize the point or it may be to draw the conclusion that there's three people, three times with a vision or it may be some other reason or it may be just because God wanted to. So we don't really know. But what I do know is God has not reminded him you denied me three times. I do know that one. So then after he has the vision, then the Lord tells him there's three men here and they're, they're here for you. I want you to go down there and, and uh, take care of them. Now, the Lord tells you there's three men here. They're down there. I want you to go with them. How many of you, as soon as you hear that, as soon as they come to the door, all right, I'm packed, let's go. Because the Lord told you to go. But you forgot, Peter's hungry. So Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them. And some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So he didn't go right away. It may have been, you know, it's, it's not necessarily late in the day, but it's not necessarily early in the day. It's just kind of in that middle spot. So they decided to eat. And then after they eat, they, you know, the, we'll just stay here today and we'll leave tomorrow. And so they, they leave the next day. This is around noon that all this began to transpire. So this is a pretty neat thing for Peter. He has this vision. Four-footed animals, unclean things. Lord says, go out there, rise, kill, and eat. He's not really quite sure what this, this vision means just yet. He's still pondering it. We, we all look at it and we say, oh, that makes so much sense. But understand, Peter didn't have the benefit of all the New Testament to read. This is still the transition time. And so, uh, he's pondering this. What does this actually mean? What's going on with all this stuff? So, Let's go on with uh, verse 24. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. Well, Cornelius doesn't know. I mean, the angel comes and says, Go get this guy Peter. Of all the people, there are a whole lot of other people around, but I want you to go get Peter. He must be somebody good. He must be a big guy. So when he comes on in, he doesn't know any better. So he bows down and he worships him. But Peter lifted him up saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. Hmm. Now, remember, the word of God had come to Peter and said, Peter, I want you to do this. I want you to go with him, doubting nothing. Doubt what? What should I doubt? He didn't say what not to doubt. He said, doubting nothing. When the men come, three men are coming. When they come, I want you to go with them. And so when he began to ask him, where are you coming from? And Cornelius. And they found out, you know, well, he's a Gentile. And Peter's immediately thinking, this is not good. I know I'm going to hear it when I get back to Jerusalem. I get back over there to Jerusalem they're all going to be telling me, we know where you went. You were out there with the Gentiles. How horrible. Why were you out there with the Gentiles? You're, you're Jewish. We're not supposed to be out there with the Gentiles. Why are you out there with them? And so the whole time, even walking on down there, he might be thinking this. Oh dear. 
Oh, dear. Here I am going to the Gentiles. And I did it willingly. I know who they are. I, I know where they're taking me. Hmm. What should I do about this? But the Word of God said, doubting nothing. So Peter did what was instructed. But understand, Peter still does not know what this vision means. He's still pondering the vision. Well, let's uh, continue all this part. Verse 28 again. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Aha. Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So he's saying this. He's saying, if God has put his stamp of approval, if the angel appeared to Cornelius and told Cornelius where I was and how to come get me, then God has put his stamp of approval, which means God said, they're clean. He said, what I said is clean. Let no man call unclean. That not only included Peter, that included the folks back in Jerusalem. So Cornelius said, four days ago, well, in verse 29, therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. In other words, I didn't argue with you guys. I didn't uh, put up a fuss or, or anything like that. I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? Now, this is great. I think this is one of the best verses in the whole passage. Here you have Cornelius who sends for Peter at a specific house, at a specific city, and he knows his specific name. But he doesn't know why. And so Peter is up on the rooftop and is told three guys are coming and they're going to want to bring you back. And he has specific instructions about that. You are to go with them, doubting nothing. But he doesn't know why. So Cornelius calls for a man to say something. The man comes. The man doesn't know what to say. He says, why am I here? I don't know. We're, the angel told us to get, get you. Well, I thought I would know why I was here when I got here. <laughs> Can you see the problem? No one knows what's, what's, why are we here? Peter doesn't know why he's here. The vision didn't give him anything to say. And Cornelius doesn't necessarily know what to say. He just says, you know, we're serving God. We're doing the best that we can. And, and we were told... Go ask for you. We thought you should know. We would think that if you know, God told us all this, that He'd at least tell you what you're supposed to say. So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Your prayer has been heard. It didn't say prayers, it said prayer. There is something that he prayed, and I imagine he asked God for knowledge of something. But we don't know what it was. And so he's supposed to get Peter and Peter's going to come up and I guess help him out with whatever it was that he asked for. Give him whatever knowledge he needed. But the, the thing that is made note of is your prayers were, have been heard and your alms were remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. <laughs> so Peter doesn't know why he's here. They have the expectation that when you get here, you're going to have things commanded by God to say. Are we stuck in a pickle? So we're all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened up his mouth. Now, usually that's a bad thing. How many of you are all familiar with the stories that when Peter opened up his mouth, it was not good? Sometimes some good stuff came out, but more often than not, 
It was not good. One time even Jesus had to turn around and rebuke him. You know? <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. One time he spoke up and God rebuked him. Basically, God said, shut up. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. <laughs> and Peter's out there trying to talk. So generally, when Peter opens up his mouth, it's not always a good thing. So it could, you could get a little bit scared when you first see. He, Peter doesn't know why he's here. The men don't have a question for him necessarily. They're waiting for him to say whatever it is that God told him to say. And God did, apparently didn't tell him anything to say. So here we are at this moment. And Peter opens up his mouth. This is a recipe for trouble. You ever know those people in your life that, uh, I mean, they open up in the mouth and they say all kinds of stuff. And if you ever bring them over to the house, you want to make sure that, you know, you kind of coach them. Now, don't talk about this and don't uh, don't get into this topic and, and, you know, don't get over here. And you kind of coach them. And then you're in there and you're having the party and everybody's all together. And all of a sudden, someone in the party asked that person something you asked them not to talk about. It's like, oh, no. Here we go. This is about what you're, you're looking at here. I wonder how many angels are up there in heaven kind of... Just cringing a little bit. Peter's opening his mouth. Oh no. What's going to come out? Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace throughout, through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. The word which, the word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. We doing okay so far? To him all the prophets witness that through his name, Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Now, you look at the words that Peter gave to them. Any great, insightful words in there? I mean, you read that. How many of you are reading what Peter said and are waiting for the good stuff to get going? All right, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh-huh, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's about Jesus. Okay, yeah, that's good. Then. All right, come on, let's go. But the Holy Spirit was poured out over the whole room. And they all got baptized in the Spirit. And they hadn't even been baptized yet in water. And Holy Spirit fell upon all. They spoke in tongues. Powerful little time right there. So what you have to understand is when you have this meeting of these people, they didn't just come in here and say, all right, give it your best shot, Peter. They came in there and they were with great anticipation. I have, I have sent for Peter. I had, a, had this vision. And the angel showed me 
call for Peter. Here's where he's at. I don't know who Peter is, but apparently God does. And he told him to come on over here. So we're waiting. We sent the messengers. And I sent my most faithful men. Send my most trusted men. They will get this thing done. They will find a way to get this done. They will bring Peter back here to us. And so all these people, they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. And finally, Peter comes on in. And so they sit down and they say, we had this vision. Cornelius had this vision. Oh, we're looking forward to the words that you have to say. And, and Peter's kind of like, well, what am I doing here? But Peter doesn't let that stop him. He opens up his mouth and he lets the Holy Spirit speak whatever it is that is needed at that moment. And the people that are listening, listening are not just ho-hum about it. They can't be because you can't have this kind of a meeting with people that are just, well, all right, well, you know, haven't got me yet here. I'm still just a... They're, they're on the edge of their seat. They're waiting and they're hearing stuff and this is new to them. We don't know about all these things about Jesus. We don't know. We didn't know about all this. This, this, this is something. This is the one He died on the cross for us. This is the one who took our sins. And he's telling them all about this Jesus and all about the things that have transpired. And that may be some more things in there than we have written in the Word of God. Maybe they shortened it up a little bit. We don't know. But we know that the Holy Spirit was poured down upon them. And so you have this group and they are anxiously coming before him. And to hear the words, they don't even know who Peter is, but they know who God is. Before people would come out in crowds to hear Jesus, they knew who Jesus was. And they came out with great anticipation for that. But they didn't know who Peter was. They just knew who God was. And they want to know more about God. So they came on in and they're drawing from Peter at this time. And he opens up his mouth and good stuff comes out. Because these folks are excited. They can't wait. They could not wait for this meeting to get started. They oh, they were looking forward to this thing getting going. As soon as Peter arrives in town, they probably put him in front and say, Tell us what it is that God told you to tell us. We know that God told you to tell us something. Tell us what it is. And he opens up his mouth and he just let God speak out from him because God did not tell him anything to say. So he just begins to speak and these folks all sat around in the room, whatever they sat on, whether mats on the floor or benches or whatever it is they had. And they just were excited and drooling from the words that Peter would have. And then Peter, he got out there and he didn't let his Jewish heritage bother him. He didn't sit there and say, these are all Gentiles. We, we, can't, we can only do so much. I mean, I'll go so far. I'll, I'll tell them what the word of God says. I'll tell them what Jesus did, but that's all we're going. I'm not laying hands on these people. I'm not laying on hands for them to, to receive the Spirit of God. I'm not laying on hands on them to talk in tongues. Well, he didn't have any choice if he thought that. I don't know that he thought that. I'm just saying, if he did think that, he didn't have any choice. Because Holy Spirit, whilst Peter is speaking, Holy Spirit comes down the group. They get filled with the Spirit. This is a group that is anxiously awaiting the words that are spoken. This anticipation has, has elevated this meeting to a certain level. And that's what you need to see with all of us. We always have to come out here with a certain amount of anticipation because we look at what is taught in the words that Peter gives and we say, when does the good stuff get going? I know all this. And yet these folks heard this message and the Spirit of God has poured out in the place. People speaking in tongues with no one laying hands on them. And the Spirit of God moves so readily. Peter turns around and says, can anybody here say why these folks can't be baptized in water? I mean, obviously God has baptized them in the Spirit. Obviously God has put His Holy Spirit on them. If God has put His Holy Spirit on them, can we who are circumcised tell them they cannot be baptized in water? And all the people that were circumcised, all the Jewish people around said, I don't think we can do that. Obviously God's in this. Obviously the power of God is here. We know what the power of God feels like. We've felt it before. Obviously it's here. Wow. This is the power that we can come before Him of 
coming in with great anticipation. Sometimes we get so lax because we're, we're, we're in a culture here in the United States where if you want the Word, you can get the Word. You can get the Word. And we can get so relaxed about uh, having so much Word around that we just don't have the great anticipation of it that we sometimes would have had other times. Oh, but we've got to have that anticipation. Oh, we're going to hear the Word. Oh, I'm gonna, I have a tape message from so-and-so. Oh, I get to sit down and listen to the Word that is being spoken there. Oh, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so is coming to town. Oh, let's go out there. Let's see what God has brought them here to tell us. A lot of times we can come in the meetings and say, you need to prove to me why that, that I'm, I should even be in, in the audience listening to you. Have you ever had that? You know, you go to somebody, some, some brother or sister so-and-so showed up someplace in Philadelphia or big uh, big meeting hall and you're going in there and saying, I don't know who this one is. Uh, you know, prove to me that I need to be here listening to you. But we shouldn't be doing that. These folks don't know Peter. All they know about is God. And God said, go get this guy and bring him in. And there was great anticipation. Anticipation is something that, folks, sometimes we can be missing as a church. We tell you to you all the time. If the people that, pray, that Jesus prayed over, these people came with anticipation. These people came with expectation. All the time, Jesus, they came and they asked God. They came and they asked, Jesus came up to ask for healing or something. Every single time that we have a discussion between Jesus and the person who's being asked, what's he say? Come on, we go over it over and over and over again. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Blind people come up to Jesus. What do you want me to do? Lame people are in front of Jesus. What do you want me to do? Deaf people. Sign language. What do you want me to do? All the, all the time. What do you want me to do? Even when it's obvious. What do you want me to do? He wants you to ask. The woman with the issue of blood came with great anticipation and came, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. I know it. I shall be healed. We don't always have to come into a meeting expecting to be healed. We don't always have to come into the meeting expecting that God is going to come and miraculously touch you with, with His Spirit for one thing or another. We don't have to always have to do that. But we can always come into the meeting that God is going to challenge me. God is going to move me. The pruning process of the Father as the vine dresser, which is a, what we're on here in this area, being fruitful. He is the vine dresser. He is the one who prunes. The Father is the one who prunes us. The last couple of weeks we've been looking at the pruning process moving off something in our life that was negative. And most of the time we think of pruning, we think of moving something out of our life that is negative. There is a sin that is a problem. There is a doubt that is a problem. There is an area of ignorance that is a problem. There is something I am not doing that is a problem. And we expect the pruning process to come in and stop that, quit this, don't do this. How many of you expect this out of pruning? Pruning process, vine dresser, he's out there to get me to stop doing the stuff I was doing so that I'd start doing the right stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what we think pruning process is. But actually, this event right here with Peter is a pruning process. Except that there's nothing negative in the life of Peter that is being removed. Peter has a belief that Jewish people should not go out there and eat with the, the non-Jewish, because this is what has been taught to him all this time. Does that teaching hinder Peter? Not really. Doesn't do anything for Peter. Peter's doing fine. 
Peter's growing. Peter's doing fine. What it hinders is other people that Peter might be able to minister to. But it doesn't hinder Peter. There are some things that the Spirit of God will come along and prune off of you that do not hinder you, but hinder you from ministering to someone else. All of pruning is not negative. He doesn't just have to find problems in your life. He can simply say, Steve, if you get rid of this, you know what you can do? He may come over to you and say, brother, sister, so-and-so, if you learn Spanish, you can minister to these folks over here. Is not knowing Spanish a hindrance to anyone? Not a problem at all, is it? I can go through the rest of my life and never know a bit of Spanish. I took two years of it too. I'm happy to say when I graduated, I didn't know of any Spanish. <laughs> my parents can probably attest to that too. I despise Spanish. I didn't like the teacher. I didn't like the class. I didn't like having to learn another language. Oh, it was terrible. Get me to do Spanish homework was absolutely painful. I'm sure that mom had probably stories that I don't remember. But I just didn't like it. And I, you know what? My life is absolutely just fine not knowing any, any Spanish at all. I'm doing fine. But what if, what if the Spirit of God comes up and says, you need to learn some French because I have some people down the road here I want you to minister to. And I say, I don't like French. It's a pruning process, isn't it? He is getting me ready for what is to come. He is the vine dresser. And so sometimes the Spirit of God comes along and He's not there to point out a problem. He's not there to point out an error. He's not there to point out a blatant sin. He's simply there to help us out, to get us into a place to minister to a group of people He wants us to minister to. And in His pruning process, He's simply going to say, Steve, I need you to get on over here and, and study this out. I need you to get over here and, and prep yourself. Get yourself ready for this. I need you to do this thing over here. Get yourself ready. And it's not all spiritual stuff. I mean, sometimes it just be, can be natural stuff. But by doing that natural stuff, He can get you ready. And maybe nobody here, but the Spirit of God might witness to somebody and say, I want you to go out and buy a motorcycle. How many of you are hearing the call of God? <laughs> I heard that call. Yes! I knew it. This is confirmation. I'm going out there and buying that motorcycle now. <laughs> but, you know, they're just getting, he's getting you ready because he wants you to minister to some folks that you having a motorcycle might help. Minister, get, get your, get your uh, foot in the door. You don't know. You just, you don't know what's going on. My wife isn't, uh, she's over on the other the children's church side. But, you know, I'm thinking, I'm feeling the Spirit of God telling me that, Steve, you need to buy a Mustang 5-liter GT. <laughs> I'm thinking that. Love Mustangs. Oh. Every time we drive by one and you see one, oh, my head always just turns. Just <laughs> my son has other cars he loves, but, but if he finds a good-looking Mustang, he'll make sure we're driving along. There's one right there. If I missed it. He'll make sure he'll find it for me. Oh, yeah. What do you think of that color? Oh, that's a nice color. I like that one. Yeah, that's good. No, nah, I don't like that color that much. That's all right for them, but no. And you know, we'll just have some fun with that. But, it, but God, it's, he'll sometimes move us into an area, get us ready for something, set us up with a group of people, move us into a place, get our interest into a certain thing. Maybe uh, he's going to get you into a certain hobby. And he's leading you into a certain hobby. It's the pruning process of God. He's simply trying to get you ready so that when you... Meet up with these folks. 
you have a common area to talk about. Because when you meet up with a heathen, most of them don't want to talk about your opinion of the book of Ephesians. The teachings that are there from the book of Galatians or you know the life of Jesus. Most of them don't want to talk about that. But they'll talk about sewing. They'll talk about cars. They'll talk about science. They'll talk about motorcycles or they'll go ride or they'll hike or they'll rock climb or they'll do different things like this. And so the Spirit of God may be saying, I'm getting you ready for this area of ministry over here. And part of the pruning process is not just getting rid of negative sides. It is sometimes moving you into an area so that you have a common area, common interest with someone He is prepping you, He is sending you to a field that He wants to put you into. And it can be something just, just like that. Listen to Him. Hear what He has to say. He is getting you ready. Not everything that He does to prune us is negative. Some of it is positive. Some of it is, all right, You've gotten rid of all these things and you're, you're doing just great and, and walk. Now, let's move out into here. Let's take this territory over here. Let's, let's move into this spot over here. So God needed Peter to grow and prune something that was not causing Peter any problems. But as long as it was with him, it would hinder what God wanted to do through Peter. It's going to hinder what God wanted to do through Peter. That's all. Now, as far as pruning is, is concerned, this is a more advanced stage of pruning. This is not the stuff you're going to run into in the beginning. First, on the beginning, God's going to take care of some of the negative stuff that's in you, holding you back from bearing fruit. But then eventually, He's going to begin to say, all right, I want to, I want to prune you. I want to get you ready to be the kind of branch I need you to be. I need you to study this. I need you to take this course. I need you to have this interest. I need you to pick up this. I need you to, get to take a job over here. Whatever it is, He's going to have something for you to do. Look at chapter... 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw in a vision an object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, No, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea, then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa, Joppa and, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Now I'll tell you what, how much growth do you see on Peter? That he can come into a volatile situation like that 
and speak words and at the end of it have, yeah, we all agree with you. Okay. I mean, that's really amazing when you've got people that have been, have been steeped in this type of tradition, this type of teaching. Now, it's one thing for Peter to get swayed because of the vision. These folks got swayed because of Peter's words. Now, that's when he arrived in Jerusalem. Remember, he started off over in Joppa. He went north to Caesarea. He then ha- Jerusalem is southeast from Joppa. Well, as we already told you, pruning initially involves removing the things that hinder us. Doesn't it? That's what pruning usually does. It's the things that hinder us. Because there's things in our life that hold us back. There are sins. There are feelings. There are emotions. There are areas of ignorance that hinder us, that hold us back. But as we grow, we can also include the things that hinder God to work in us. There are things that go on, folks, that hinder God from working in us from doing all the things that he wants to do, that there are some great things that he has out there he wants us to take on and he wants us to get ready for. But we're not ready yet. And so after he begins to prune and he takes off some of the negative stuff, you've got to listen to the voice of God who's going to begin to prune you and steer you in a direction. I want you to take up this. I want you to have this interest. I need you to develop your understanding in this area over here. And we just, without any doubting, the Spirit of God is leading me over here to do this, to get myself ready for this. And we just look for the opportunity. And when the opportunity comes, we sit there just like Peter and we take it. And the, no, the good thing, you don't need to know everything to say. These men called Peter because they thought he had been commanded by God to tell them something. Peter came up thinking they had a specific question he was supposed to answer. And he gets up there and finds out they don't have a question And he hasn't been commanded anything by God to say. And he just opens up his mouth and he begins to speak. And he speaks words so powerful that the anointing falls upon the place. The Holy Spirit falls on the place. And folks are being baptized without anyone laying hands on them or anything happening at all. God can use us. Let him prune us. Don't just look at it as far as the fruit is concerned that, well, I'm patient, I'm loving, I'm kind, and all these good things are, are working. No, I'm ready. I am ready to go into this field. I'm ready to go into this area of work. I'm ready to go in and minister to these people. I am ready. I am prepared. God has made me ready because I have listened to the Spirit of God. It may not always come because of a rooftop vision, but however it comes to you, make sure that you pay attention to God. It's part of the vine dresser's pruning process. He is not just going to prune off the negative. He is going to lead you into the positive. I need you to take up this. I need you to develop this area over here. And if God says He needs us, glory to God, He needs us. Isn't that neat? That God would look down on us and say, I need you to develop yourself over here. I need you to do this thing over here. Oh, it's good to be used and needed of God. Would you all stand with me? Father, we thank You so much for the things You show us in Your Word. How You turned one like Peter who was so rough around the edges. Oh, but Father, You developed him so that when he opened up his mouth, good things came out and people were ministered to, people were helped. The Father, you took some things that weren't causing any trouble to Peter but would hold him back from what you wanted him to do. And Father, I thank you that there are some things in our life, maybe they're not holding us back from being all we can be ourselves, but it's holding us back from what you want us to be to reach other people. So we listen to you. We hear what the Spirit of God has to say to us. We let the vine dresser have his perfect work. Not just pointing out the sins and the 
problems and the faults, but to begin to point us in areas and say, get yourself ready. Step out over here. Develop this. I need you. I have use for you. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I hope God is speaking to all you, being that vine dresser that he is, and developing you and getting you ready. Tonight we have our...